Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to uh, Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. And today we are covering a huge, huge section, Matthew chapter 8 through 9 and Mark chapters 2 through 5. And let's just say this right now, that there are so, we're going to get into spots in the New Testament where each of the gospel writers will tell the same story in their own perspective. Sometimes one of them offers like a perspective that, you know, some details that we don't have in another one. And so it gets a little bit confusing here when to bring in which story and, and stuff like that. So we're going to try the best we can. These are the chapters you'll find in Come Follow Me. But and again, there's so much stuff here. We just have to apologize at the beginning. There is too much to do in one of these. Don't miss this. So we've, we've picked our favorites. Yeah. And That's then you might choose other favorites, other yeah. stories that you think, wait, stop. You forgot the best one. No. This is our favorite. So... Yeah. Yeah, we're doing our best, everyone. Yeah. We're doing our best. going to be great. Um, we want to start out right in Matthew 9. That's where we're going to begin. And um, let me just start out by saying this. When my two boys were in college, they were trying to decide what they were going to do for the rest of their life. One was going to be a businessman, and the other one was going to be, I'm trying to think what he, I think he wanted to be a doctor of some sort when he started out. And as they talked about what they wanted to do, and then all of a sudden the one who was going to be a businessman was going to be a dentist instead. And as he talked about it, I was like, listen, you should probably go job shadow someone before you decide what you want to do. <laughs> and this is because everyone, he can't put his hand in the disposal and clean it out if stuff gets stuck in there. And in my mind, just as a good mom, I was like, if you can't put your hand in the disposal, you're probably not going to be able to put your hand in someone's mouth. I just <laughs> thought it was true. So I had him go job shadow for a couple days. And sure enough, he came home and he was like, yeah, I can't be a dentist. And um, so he started job shadowing doctors and he actually decided to be a doctor. My other son who thought he wanted to be a doctor job shadowed and decided actually after spending a lot of time with a businessman, he wanted to go into business, so they switched actually after job shadowing. While all of this was happening, and I was watching them job shadow and come home and talk about this job shadowing, it sounded so fun. I was like, I want to job shadow someone. <laughs> Who should I job shadow? I thought about it lots of nights in a row, and I thought about what my job is and what I do. I teach seminary, and I was like, who would be the best person to job shadow for seminary? And then I was like, Jesus, really? <laughs> That is the best one. So then I started looking through scripture to find out what if you could spend a day in the life of Jesus? What would that look like? Don't you wonder what that would look like? So we love about Matthew 9. I'm answering for everybody. I was like, Just, yes. just keep nodding. <laughs> okay, good job. Um, we love about Matthew 9 that it really is a day in the life of Jesus. You might just want to write that right as your chapter heading in Matthew 9. This is what happens. It tells us he enters into a ship and then he passes over and comes into his own city and this is where the morning begins, okay? that Just right here. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy and he um, said unto the man that was sick of the palsy, some be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven thee. And then he keeps walking and he comes to Matthew 
Matthew's just sitting down doing whatever it was Matthew does. And he said to him, follow me. And so Matthew came and went with him. And they went and sat down for lunch. It was lunchtime. And they decided to eat with the publicans and sinners. And this made a lot of people really mad that that's who he was going to eat with. And it caused a big discussion to happen. And so over lunch, they were having this huge discussion about his choice of people to eat lunch with. And then while he was there, a certain man came to him. And he knelt down by him and he said to him, my daughter is even now at the point of death. Come and lay their hands on her and she will live. And so he gets up and he starts walking down a really crowded street. And, and the father is with him and they're walking down the street. And as they're walking, this woman reaches out and she grabs hold of his robe. And he stops what he's doing and turns around and asks, who, who touched me? And she came to him fearing and trembling but knowing what had happened and there is a conversation that takes place there and that woman is healed and then they keep walking but by the time they get to the daughter's house she's dead and he walks into the house and he has to send all the people out and he goes into the room and takes her by the right hand and lifts her and raises her from the dead and then he leaves from that house and there's two blind men who follow him and he turns around and and they ask if he can heal them. And he says, believe you that I am able to do this. And they said, yay, Lord. And, and then they were healed and he kept going. And then there was a dumb man who came and he healed him. And I just want you to think to yourself, this is my favorite question to ask at this part. Which of those things do you think were on his list of things to do that day? Like when he got off the boat. What do you think he was like, um, for sure I'm gonna do which one of those things? And it's so interesting because it tells us in 35 of Matthew 9, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. And we just love the idea of those three words right there in that verse. He was moved with compassion. How he made the choices that made up all of his days were um, how he was moved by compassion. That is what he decided to do. Yeah, and something we love to call Jesus's decisions that he makes are, a um, little spot for it on your paper, are compassionate detours. That he doesn't act out of like a schedule or anything, but he acts based off of compassion. When he sees a need, something swells and moves in his heart and he takes a detour and goes off of his schedule or wherever he was planning on going and makes time for the one, really. And like we've thought time. about this so much. Like, do you have room in your schedule for a compassionate detour? As you're making your list of to-dos as the things that are going on in your day, um, it's something I ask myself all the time and we talk about regularly is, are we leaving room to be moved with compassion? Are we leaving room for these compassionate detours, which can be life-changing? for people, right? Sometimes it's just who you choose to eat lunch with. And sometimes someone's heart is healed because of that moment. And every chance we have to bring someone closer to Christ, we know he is gonna heal or change whoever he touches. And it's just the thought of that. And as we looked at this, we were like, oh, if we were to pick our three favorite stories of Jesus being moved with compassion from these verses, and there are so many good ones, really, there are so many good ones, but. We've picked our three favorite. We thought maybe today could just be like a storytelling time. So get cozy, pops, push pause, pop some popcorn, <laughs> wrap up in blankets, because it's about to be story time, everybody. That's what's going to happen. Okay, are you back? 
Here is the first one. Um, and the, on your study sheet, there are the verses of where you can see this. This, this story is told in Mark chapter 2, and it's also told um, just for one verse in Matthew, but it's also told in Luke chapter 5, and the verses are on there for... And it's so fun to go back and forth because you get pieces of the just story... details and... That you don't know. Yeah, and, in each one. And while some while he tells the story, what would be really awesome is for someone to get your Come Follow Me manual and hold up the picture. It is such a good oh, picture. Oh, of this first it's one. It's one of our yes, favorites. Yeah. I've never um, seen it before. I can't even remember who the artist is. Yes, but it's so it's good. It's just on the right-hand side. So while side. he tells the story, have someone in your family just hold up the Come Follow Me manual for this chapter. There yeah. is a picture of, it's the four friends right. who are bringing their friend to Christ. So they have a friend. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 2. And Jesus is um, in Capernaum, which is a city up in the Galilee area near Nazareth. And it was noise that he was in the house. So like it spread like wildfire. He was there. So people pack to hear him preach in this house. And there's so many people there that they fill the whole doorway and all the windows around. And the house is just packed with people. Well, one of the people that heard Jesus was there was one of these friends. Um, and they had a friend who had the palsy, it says, who was paralyzed. And I love that not only Jesus has a compassionate detour in these stories, but so do some of these friends. And, and one of these friends certainly had the idea. And I love picturing that he ran to three more houses and he said, you guys, Jesus is in the city and he can heal our friend. Let's get him. And, and they must have sat and was like, how do we get him? Who's, who, what should we do? And someone's like, let's make a bed. Let's, um, let's make a little stretcher for him and we'll carry him to the house. Um, and so they do. And something that's really neat, um, and it's on the study sheet, and I have the verses here, Mark 2, 2 through 3, and Luke 5, 18 to 19, is go through and pick out all the verbs that you can of things that these four friends did to try and get their um, sick, paralyzed friend to Jesus. I love that they got, that they were just like, well, they didn't say like, well, shoot, he can't walk. I don't know. But they were like, let's build a bed. And so they do. And the four of them carry him to the house. And they get in there and they see the crowd that's all around. And instead they said, well, we tried, you know. They were like, well, what do we do? So they get him up onto the roof. We have no idea how that happened. You just have to imagine, right? They're trying mind, to lift like, this huge couch <laughs> bed thing that they up made. Up to the roof. Four, um, a four pulley men. system. Have you we ever don't... watched four men move a couch <laughs> up the stairs and out the door? Just yeah, picture that in your mind. Or a piano. Um, everybody is getting him up to the roof, which is a roof. And so they like move part of the roof over. And can you imagine being inside this house? We don't know what the sermon was, what was <laughs> happening, but all of a sudden the roof opens up and they lower the man, their friend, down into the middle of the living room. Could you imagine sitting in church? Can you imagine uh, if it was your house and you're like, what are you doing to my roof? Who owns the house? We don't exactly. even know. That person is a good soul. And all of a sudden, this person gets lowered down into the middle. And you love, we have no clue um, where in Jesus' lesson he was. <laughs> because he just stops. Because this man has dropped down in and is paralyzed. And I love in Mark chapter 2, verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, meaning the, the four friends' faith, when he saw what they had done, um, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, what is so awesome about this is I don't know where the friends are. Maybe peeking into the roof at this point. We don't know. But they brought him there because he was paralyzed. He, he could, that's what they brought him for. 
And they drop him in, and it's almost like the drum roll moment. And Jesus says, my son, I forgive your sins. And can you wonder what, like, the friends thought? They're like, oh. Whoops. Oh, wait. <laughs> we actually brought him so his legs could work again. I, I, one of them's like, oh, excuse, hello. <laughs> you know, from the top. Um, and what happens is there's a reaction in the crowd, and there's some mumbling from people. And, and they say, this man is speaking blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what was happening and took this teaching moment and said, why are you asking these questions in your heart? And then this question, is it easier to say of the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk? That's in verse nine of Mark chapter two. And I remember reading this last year and stopping and thinking, wait a second, what's the answer to that question? What is the easier miracle? Is it harder to heal someone's paralysis or to forgive their sins? And as I sat there thinking, I realized it's to forgive sins. Uh, that miracle will require him to go to Gethsemane and to Calvary's cross to suffer and to die. To perform the miracle of forgiveness will, will cost him everything. His and life, right? It will give, He'll have he will to give die. his whole life to be able to perform that miracle. That is... Um, the harder miracle. And then you love that he ends it by saying, and just so you know that I will do that, that I do have the power to forgive sins, um, son, arise and take up thy bed and walk. And, and so he stands up as evidence um, that Jesus has come to perform that great miracle. Of, of healing of souls, of forgiving of sins is what he came for. So a really, really cool story. Yeah, we love that one so much. Um, the next one we're going to find in Mark 5. This is the man at the Gadarenes. Um, we had the opportunity to drive through where the Gadarenes would have been. And I remember looking at the rolling hillside. It was so pretty and so green and thinking to myself, I wonder where the tombs were. And the man that didn't wear any clothes. That yeah. just was there in the tombs and coming in and out and tr and living that life. Um, I and Mark says that he like that people hear him crying yes. at night. Like, yes, it's sort of freaky. And actually. no one can bind him. Yeah, can, or tame him and, like he's an animal. They try or something. and tie him up. He gets out every time. And yeah, and it's Mark who says always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones yeah. and. You just think of this man who is bound and chased by demons. And we don't know what was happening in his life, but that was not a happy life. No, no. And as he's there in that place alone, right? Nobody wants to be with him. He's kind of isolated and, and living that life. It's just such a painful and a hard life. Um, Jesus comes. And we day. should point out that it's a graveyard. And according to Mosaic law, you could not come in contact with graves or, or dead. So there would have been no plausible reason for Jesus to go to that place. Other than him to find that man. And, and we love how he does that, right? He goes to a well. Um, it, he just It's his way to do it. Even when we read um, the story of the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, it specifically says in there, and he went to him yeah it's what jesus yeah. does it's it is the message of his life right he meets us where we are right and that's what happens he comes to the gatherings he comes to the tombs where no one's supposed to go and he finds this man and my favorite part of this whole story 
like we could just end on this lesson, is um, the very first question Jesus asks him. Um, it's such a powerful moment, and it tells us um, as he comes up to him and he comes right to where he is, and the first thing Jesus says to him is in Mark 5, verse 9, and he asked him, what is your name? Right? That's the first thing he wants to know. Where everyone else, what they saw of the man was what? He's crazy. He's, we can't keep him bound. He's right. fettered. He has no clothes on. The description is everything that you gross. see everything on the outside. Gross about it, right? right? And what are you would have been my first question, <laughs> right? Like what? And, but then Jesus is like, looks past all of that, right? He sees past all of what is happening. And he says to him, what is your name? And the man's response is just as interesting as the Lord's question. And we have a spot on the study sheet. Yeah, where you want to be like, Where you that. can fill those, if you want to use that as an activity yeah. or something yeah. with what's your his, family. What's the question he asks and what's his answer? And, and his answer, the name he tells him is Legion. Now, this is something that is interesting. You might want to research, but we'll let you know. Legion conveys the idea of 6,000 armed and strong warriors of evil. Mm. And it's almost as if that man had been in that place for so long, he didn't even remember who he really was, right? He's like, this is who I've been for so long that who I am is just this person who has been overtaken by 6,000 armed warriors of evil. That's who I am. And um, I love that in that moment, what happens is there's a bit in the story where all of a sudden there's pigs and a cliff and water and all these crazy things are happening that as you're reading you're like what is even going on here and then there is silence and there is a man who is clothed and i think to myself where did he get those clothes don't hmm. you wonder that like did jesus come with clothes did he already know what was going to happen and he's sitting at the feet of the lord and i want to say and what was that conversation like? What was even happening in that moment? What was he learning in that moment? And it's just that sweet moment of realizing it doesn't matter what chases you. It doesn't matter what battles you are facing. It doesn't matter how many things are up against you. Remember, Jesus Christ is powerful. He, he is mightier than any of those things. And he has the power to look within you and see the hidden good that might otherwise be concealed, right? And he has this moment with that man, and that man just wants to sit at his feet for the rest of his life. If he okay. could have chosen, that is what he would have done. And I love what the Lord says to him in verse 19. It says, um, it, well, in 18, it tells us, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him, right? He just wanted to stay with Jesus his whole life. And sometimes that is true, right? If you've ever been to an addiction recovery program or um, if you've worked with someone who struggles with those things that are so heavy and so constant, when they feel like they are with Jesus, that is a place of hope, it is a place of healing. And, and they'll say, if I could just stay here, right? In the bishop's office. If I could just stay in the 12 step program room, if I could just stay here, I, I think I could make it. Yeah. And I love what the answer is here for that person because I really think it is the answer for anyone who feels like their past has chased them, right? Anyone who feels like they have just been chased and chased and chased by something they can't get away from. By 6,000 armed soldiers, warriors right? Warriors of evil, yeah. right? Um, he says this. This is what is going to heal you. 
Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee, right? You go to every person you know and even the people you don't know and you tell them the great thing that happened to you today and what compassion looks like, what the love of the Lord looks like. You tell that to everyone you know and you're going to be fine. You will remain healed. Those armed warriors will never have power over you if you can yeah. do that for the rest of your life. And I think there is so much power in us bearing testimony of where we have seen the Lord working in us. There is power for us and there is power for those who hear our story that every time we bear testimony of those great things, every time we tell our story of where the Lord entered into our life, the miracle is renewed in us. Yeah. And it's renewed for everyone who hears it. And we thought it would be awesome if you would take the time to just write down in this box, what are the great things the Lord has done for you in your life? And maybe you'll take a second with your family all gathered around to just think if you were to look past over the past week or the past month or the past year and just name one great thing the Lord has done for you this year, that would be a powerful conversation. Yeah, it's almost like the memory of it. Like, you because you're retelling the memory, you're bringing like the hope and the wonder of the experience with you. Yeah. You know, to retell it. Let mm -hmm. me tell you how he rescued me. Let me tell you how he saw me. So. And you love when is... Jesus comes back to this place a while later. The whole town is waiting for him because of the testimony of that one He told man. everybody. He told everybody. And you just think to yourself, the power of one person with a testimony of Christ. And it's in this story, right? And it's the most unlikely person in the town to have been the missionary, right? To have been the one who was testifying. And yet he was a life changer for hundreds yeah. of people. And that could be you, right? right. That could be your story. And, and don't ever doubt the power of the testimony of one person. It's interesting that beforehand, everybody, fear is what spread and reigned. And now hope does mm -hmm. in that city yeah oh it's one you of my know? favorite stories the man of the gadarenes okay our last one we want to tell is a, a two-part story and it's one that emily mentioned at the beginning in that day of jesus i'm going to be looking at this in mark 5 but again you can look at it in matthew and in luke and it's jesus and he's sitting down for lunch um and while he's in the middle of his um second course we don't even know if he's had a bite to eat um a man named jairus um, comes up to him and falls down at his feet right when he's there ready to eat. And um, it says in verse 23, Mark 5, that he besought him greatly, that he uh, was at a father who was at a point of desperation. And he says, I pray thee or I beg you, come and lay your hands on my daughter who's right at the point of death and she will be healed. She will live. And I think it's probably interesting to know in Mark, I think it tells us, she was, um, she had died, right? Is not yet. It doesn't yet. say that. Uh -uh. And, and Luke also makes that very clear. She's just She's right at, at, the at the point, point of, of death. death. So he is in a hurry. And Jesus says, you bet. And he gets up from lunch and follows him. And it says they're walking. Jairus is leading them to where he lives. And verse 24 says, as he's going with them, much people followed and they thronged him. And if you go over to Israel, the streets are not very wide at all. And they would have been set up with shops and people and animals. And everybody is coming through them. Shoulder, even today. Yeah, I think to myself, have you ever shoulder. been at a parade 
And as soon as the parade yeah. is over and you know it's going to end, the last float goes and you just start grabbing your kids' hands, right? Because you know... They will get lost. They are going to get lost if everyone's not holding on to someone. And that is the mental picture every time that yeah, I... Yeah, and they are just like <laughs> squeezing were. through. And all of a sudden, they are moving through and Jesus just stops. And he says, um, who touched me? And everybody's like, those of you who are middle school or high school know how that feels obnoxious that is when someone just stops in the middle of the hallway <laughs> you know while they're walking and jesus just stops and says who touched me and the disciples are like do you see how many people <laughs> you know? everybody has like what are you talking about everybody has touched you and he's just like no who somebody touched me who was it and um he knew exactly um, Is it in Mark or Luke happening? when it, when he says, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing, right? He already knew. He knew exactly, he knew exactly who was there. Was. And we learned that there was a, a woman, a certain woman, who had an issue of blood for 12 years. And, and, and she had spent all on doctors and cures and anything that, that she had. And remember, back then, if you had a blood disease, you couldn't be in contact with people. So this is a woman who had lived alone who had been at the end of a rope for, for 12 years. There are people who will watch this who haven't been alive for 12 years. And this woman has faced this for and, 12 And probably hadn't been touched, right? For hadn't 12 been years. Loved for, and knew she couldn't touch anyone either. And she just thinks, she hears Jesus is in the city and thinks if I just secretly wait by the roadside and just reach out and touch just the hem of, of his robes, I can be healed. And so she just places herself unnoticed, um, doesn't want to make a scene, and Jesus stops and makes a scene. <laughs> um, he is on the way, by the way, in, in a rush. He's the ambulance, right? This is a 911 call to get to Jairus' house, and he, and he stops. And he kneels down and takes this woman by the hand and has a conversation with her calls her daughter, which is a, a word of great tenderness in that time period, um, and, and, and tells her, your faith has made you whole. And just has this beautiful moment um, with her. Uh, and some of you may feel like her. Some of you may feel like, I've been holding on to something for 12 years, and nobody knows about it except for the Lord. And I just want you to know, that you might feel overlooked by everybody else, but you are being looked over um, by him. He knows where you are on the roadside and he stops and, and has that moment with her. What's interesting is right while he's having that moment with her, a servant from Jairus' house comes and says, uh, don't bother him anymore, um, she's died. Um, and, and Can and, you imagine his heart in right. that moment, Jairus' heart? Especially because he went and Jesus was there and had time and he must have thought, this is it. He, he has time. We're going to get the miracle. And then on the way to it, somebody says, you were too late. And, and imagine for just a second the battle of emotions that Jesus stopped. <laughs> for a, What if he hadn't stopped? What if he hadn't taken this one-on-one -on -one with, this, with this woman? And I just imagine him there and everybody surrounding the servant and Jairus is there, brokenhearted. And I love this line. Um, it's in Mark chapter 5, 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he knew what was in Jairus' heart right when he heard those words. 
um, he turned to the ruler of the synagogue and he says, be not afraid, only believe. And you just have to wonder in that moment, was that detour with that woman, was it an inconvenience or was it important? Right. It was almost as if Jairus comes to him and says, I have just enough faith to believe that you can heal my sick daughter. And maybe not enough to, to bring back her from the dead. But I have, I have this much faith that you can do that. And then Jairus witnesses him heal a woman who's been sick for 12 years. It's almost as if he increased his faith to the level it would need to be to perform the miracle he knew he was going to perform all along. And he watched it happen. And he knew, you know, and he knew. He knew like, what the Lord was capable of yeah. in that moment. And it's still going to be a stretch now. But that's why he turns to him and he says, you keep on believing, right? Take me to the house. And so they go to the house and, and the funeral preparations have already started. And he walks in and he says, this girl's not dead. And everyone laughs and he just excuses everybody out of the house. Oh, because, I just love he removes that distraction, right? right? He's, it, anyone who is not going to believe in this moment, anyone who's distracting, we're removing that from the house. Right. And he just goes in and mom's there and dad's there. And I imagine Peter, James, and John at the doorway, you know, some of the disciples at the doorway. And he walks over to her and, and takes her by the hand and, and says, little girl, wake up. And, and, she, and she wakes up. And what that must have been like for, um, for mom, for dad. Don't you just, just want to imagine that. the look on their faces? Yes. When she, like, it just is the sweetest scene uh, there's a Bible video of, of this scene that you mm -hmm. might want to watch. And just the way it was filmed is just, is just beautiful. And then, uh, and then it's cute because he's like, somebody get her something to eat. You know? <laughs> yeah. Get her a juice box or a string cheese or yeah. something. Uh, but it's just a really, every part of that story is so sweet and it's so tender. And you can just expect, um, he knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows what's in your heart that's hidden. And, and he is moving with compassion in your story also. And we love the thought of this detour principle, right? Because a detour sign doesn't mean the road's closed and you have to go home. A detour means there is a different way to get to that destination. And when Christ takes a compassionate detour, it means he's going to walk with you until yeah. you reach that destination that he has in mind for you. We just love the thought of that. We want to end back where we started, back into Matthew 9, a day in the life of the Lord. And you remember it tells us he went about teaching and preaching and healing. And when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. And then in verse 37 of Matthew 9, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And we love um, thinking about this, and this is one thing we want you to think about, is that the harvest is people. And the laborers he prayed for, that's me, and that is you, and that is all of us. That is who he prayed for. Um, my cute daughter, Grace, um, became obsessed several months ago. She wanted to find one of those WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do that were so popular in the 80s? You maybe remember them. Everybody wore them. And she wanted one, and she was researching where to get one. And as she was doing the research, she all of a sudden stumbled on this little tiny company. 
And it was this man who had been taking a final in college. It was an accounting final. And he got a little bit bored of his studying and he just was looking at his wrist as he was taking notes on his study paper and he had the bracelet on that said, what would Jesus do? And then he thought to myself, I, I wear this on my wrist. I've worn it on my wrist for a long, long time. And every time I get in a situation, I don't ask, what would Jesus do? I just do the situation. I don't ever take the time to ask. And so he thought to my, himself, maybe I should ask right now, what would Jesus do? And then I'll be prepared for the yeah. next situation that I get into. And so he thought about it for a minute. And you love, if you go back and read the story of this man, you see his accounting paper and you see all the scratching of all the math taking place. And in the bottom of the paper, you see four letters, H-W-L-F. And he decided, what would Jesus do? He would love first. And so he made himself his own bracelet. We just love him. We both wear one every yeah. single day. Oh, that's my WWG. I um, wear the question and the answer. Good job. <laughs> um, what would Jesus, do? or he would love first, it, right? In any situation that you get in, just that reminder, he would love first. And another thing I just love about this company is when you buy a bracelet, you don't just get one because they want you to love first. So they send you two, two. Oh, it's one so to give away, one on. for you and one to pass away. And what a great message. And we thought we would end that um, this week with just with that call. Maybe you'll write it somewhere in your house. Maybe you'll put it on your front door. Um, just a reminder, HWLF, he would love first. Right. That is what Jesus does. Right, the love and compassion pushed him and motivated him yeah. in every situation he went into. Every decision and he I, made. And I just love that. It's just like he tells those disciples, this is a, so many people need love. So many people need us. Yeah. And there's so many and there's not enough of us. So pray that God will send more who will love first. And you and I, I think are the answer are the to answer. that prayer. Yeah. To go in love. Oh, is this... Oh, it's right after Valentine's. I was going to be like, is this the Valentine's week one? Oh. No. Valentine's <laughs> oh, day is in bad. two days. Oh, yeah. So when we Happy late Valentine's. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been perfect. Would have been I wear perfect. pink. You wear pink. For Valentine's. I have and pink And you have pink scriptures, okay. which is good. Um, okay. Yeah. So love. Just love, everybody. Love well all week long, as many people as you can. Take a compassionate detour. Okay. See ya. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.